sometimes hey 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 neha neha oh no you were trying to rhyme it i get it you were trying to rhyme it like hey hey yeah you were trying to rhyme it do i feel like that i felt like a really bad boss that like tries to be really friendly with you like hey 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 neha (laughs) (laughs) it's cool we can be neha today neha today what what should i be give me give me a badly name oh god i don't know what did people call you growing up is charismatic. Oh I'm going to share a very traumatic, but well, not traumatic. But when I was being bullied in like one of the years of primary school, for some reason the bullies decided to call me cabbage for like a few months, and I didn't really understand because like, a, I had like auburn hair. At least call me carrot. Like, come on, be like a little bit, you know, on point, on brand. Think yeah, cabbage. It, yeah. Cabbage didn't really get that, and it was just very, very random. And like, I mean, one day they put like a note in my pencil case, and it was like, go back to the cabbage patch. <laughs> it's such a strange oh, even being gnawing and being upset I was like I really don't get what route you're going down with this narrative yeah. here let your insults make sense I know but yeah so please don't call me cabbage because you know it do be bringing up bad memories I get called Karis and Carice a lot That's, yeah, I just don't get it it's, it's just what it is obviously we're very 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 close to christmas now so do you find like your your habits and things are changing now getting close to the big day are you doing less of something or more or something it's weird because i feel like so i'm not off from work until christmas eve so i'm still working all through oh, this wow. week and next week yeah and we thought we would slow down in december like most businesses generally do but we haven't so i feel like i've adjusted to that sort of slow the slowed down nature of festive season, but it's not actually hit me yet. So I feel like I'm running in a different, at a different speed to what everything at the minute it is coming at me. We've put up a Christmas tree and I've done some Christmas shopping, but I feel like, yeah, it's not, it's not like every year, is it? What about you? Yeah, I feel the same way. I feel like I'm struggling to get into the the spirit of it. Like I've I've put all my Christmas trees up like the 1st of December, put some lights outside. I wrote my Christmas cards, but I haven't taken them to the post office. So like, that's mm. as well. I've only had like three Christmas cards come through as well, which usually by this time I'm, I'm up to like 20, 30. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just because I always try, because I didn't have great Christmases as a kid, I always try to have really good Christmases. And like the years before this one, I'd go to the Christmas markets, I would go to the parties, I would, you know, have like mm. socials with friends, I would go to the big shopping centres. And I don't want to do any of those things this year, by the way. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but because it's been kind of like taken away, it does, it is harder to get into it because you think how can you be really Christmassy when you're just stuck at home in the same place with the same people and it's um it's hard and I was tried to like last year I made like a list of like Christmas things to do and usually I go on Pinterest and I I do this I do this for spring I do this for Halloween I do this for summer and I look up like Christmassy things to do but it's all things like because a there's one side of it where it's very Americanized because it's like playing the snow build a snowman yeah we can't really do that over here because um yeah and then the other side of it is all things that you go out for like go to the christmas markets meet up with a friend for coffee go see a christmas film at the cinema so it does feel very limited and i will say that i'm i am like trying to push myself into that kind of christmas mood and christmas spirit Mm. but i'll be completely honest with you 
I cannot be bothered. I would rather like just have like two weeks of stillness and calmness because I cannot be, I can, I'm a big fan. I can't be bothered. I can't be bothered to wrap anything. And I love wrapping presents. I love getting like little decorations together and little bows and little string and boop, 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 boop. But um, it's, it it is harder this year. I definitely think it's harder. And we did like a poll actually um, on Twitter and like 80% of our listeners have said they are struggling to get into the Christmas spirit too. So we're definitely not alone, which is always a comforting thought, I think. Mm, It is. Yeah. sucks because I feel like we could have all done with a really nice cozy festive season but actually the nature of the year like people just want to be like just want it done with yeah I am looking forward to having like a good break from work I get that bit you are as well yeah for sure oh my god I'm so excited yeah I think it's different with Christmas because like when you go away on a holiday in the summer you're just going away but at Christmas everyone's going away there's no incoming there's no outcoming so it's not a nice little shutdown period which is which is good so yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that and just just to catch up on things again I think things got on top of me a lot in the past like month and I thought the the new lockdown we had would kind of like Mm. manage that but then I think because I was kind of communicating with a lot of people who were very anti-lockdown it was like okay we're not calming down and slowing down and thinking about you know yeah wellness over productivity so it's um yeah I think I'm looking forward to just going at my going at a slower pace which will be interesting Mm, it'll be good have you watched many Christmas films not really the Benedict Cumberbatch Grinch was on TV yesterday and I'd never seen that before so I thought I would watch that but it was like it was not good. I didn't enjoy it. But I've been watching Christmas TV. Okay. There's Home for Christmas on Netflix. Six episodes, season one, 30 minute episodes. They're super easy. It's a Norwegian TV show. So if you like kind of international um, TV in the way that I do, then, you know, Norwegian TV is always really good. Um, and it's it's really cool. So it's, it's it sounds really cliche when I explain it. So basically... What's her name? Oh my God, I've got Johan. She is in her 30s and single and had been dumped like four years ago. And her parent, her whole family is not so down with the fact that she's still single. She always has to sit with the kids at dinner and stuff. And it's like really beginning to get to her. So she pretends that she has a boyfriend on the first day of Advent, which I think the first day of Advent is the first day of December. I don't know. And she has 24 days to find a boyfriend to bring to Christmas Eve dinner. And it sounds like a hallmark, like really kitschy, like not doesn't have a lot of substance. But actually, I found myself really because I, too, am a single woman of 28. I'm not 30 yet. But like there are, you know, there are bits in the show when she's like having dinner with her friends and all they're talking about are their husbands and their children. And it's like, you know, that disassociation where you're like, these are my friends and we never used to just talk about this and she has nothing to input. Like, I really felt that. Um, and it's just really good. And it's got some really interesting characters. A 19-year-old named Jonas. He looks like your average fuckboy, but is surprisingly emotionally mature. Like, it's turning things oh, on its head in I a way that, that I think trope. is... Yeah, it's turning things on its head that I thought were really nice. And it's in Norway and it's snowy and it's festive and there are Christmas lights everywhere. So I recommend if anyone wants something easy and season two drops on Friday. Oh, okay. That's nice. That's good. Yeah, yeah, six episodes, 30 minutes each. That's a good three hours. That's cool. I like that. That's a little afternoon. Which is good. I do have a question for you, though, because Mm. I I saw some tweets from you, Miss. Yes. About about a little film called Tenant. Oh, my God. I didn't understand it. (laughs) I mean, to be fair. But to be fair, I didn't finish it. I got about an hour in. I was like, I think I need to watch it again properly. Yeah. Because like, it just was not making sense. I don't, firstly, I don't understand why they were all speaking so quietly. Like, and they were all <laughs> speaking in riddles. And I'm like, am I supposed to be able to hear you? Or like, is this just a thing? Like, are you, uh, so yeah, I'm just confused by it. 
It was so funny because when I watched it, there's like there's a part in the very beginning where John David Washington, someone helps mm. him and he doesn't yeah. know who it is. And as soon as that happened, I thought, nope, gonna have to watch this again. And I just knew in that moment, I just knew in that moment, nope, gonna have to watch this again. But yeah, I mean, did you did you enjoy it? Not it the first a, a fat, no. 40, well, the first like 40, 45 minutes, which is what, like a third of the film, if not half of the film. I think I was so preoccupied trying to figure out what was happening that I stopped enjoying it because I'm like, this isn't making sense. I need to figure it out. I went into like problem solve. So I think if I try, when I try it again, I need to just like surrender to the fact that it's not going to make sense and it probably will later. But um, Anya, what did you think of it? Did you, it's been did, so long since I saw it. I can't even remember. Did you get it the first time round? <laughs> Um, I had to do a deep dive on Wikipedia right. afterwards. Okay. And I did read a, a few articles that were quite in-depth about things. Mm. And obviously, you know, that's not the way that a lot of people like to enjoy films. They like to you know, watch the film and get everything. But I do I do like to be able to have a little bit of a research thing afterwards, maybe because I was a film student. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I, I liked where it was coming from. I liked the kind of elements of um, time travel and existing two people yeah. existing in the same time at different times if that makes sense love that I just had to keep pinching myself that John David Washington was the lead character I just he's so it, good in it he, he's and he's got that charm to him where he's not like he's not like a Leo where it's kind of very serious he's mm. got that seriousness that has also got this really lovely undertone of charm and funniness and humor and you know so yeah I did not like Kenneth Branagh though Mm-hmm. I did. I just. I don't know what it is about Ken- Kenneth Branagh. Just not a fan. Just don't know what. Just, I don't know why this was at that pyro film when I fell asleep. The one, the one on the train. <laughs> fell asleep. Snored. Very embarrassing. Um, <laughs> I just. Yeah, just not a fan. Plus, he wasn't very nice to Emma Thompson, was he? No, no, no he really so, wasn't. So that's a bit for me. Mm. Didn't he have an affair with someone? <gasps> it was with Helena Bonham Carter. Stop. No, that is the T. Oh my god, the tea. I know. <gasps> Shocking, isn't it? Very sad. Um, but yeah, marriages, that's mm. what happens. But yeah, so this week we are going to be talking about Christmas films. We're going to be talking about women in Christmas films and, you know, about the tropes we see, the characters we see, the representations, the storylines. Now, I am not going to include any Hallmark Christmas films because we have done an episode (laughs) on that. And let's be honest, guys, every single film is exactly the bloody same. I have been Mm -hmm. watching them recently, trying to force myself to get out of the Christmas spirit. And oh my God, there's been some good ones. So there was... Yeah, there was what there was one um that I've been trying to watch the ones that we spoke about on the show a couple of weeks ago. And um yeah, they're just really, really charming and I just get quite emotional thinking about it, but it, it is just really funny. Some of them I mean I I will say I do I do fast forward through some scenes, so I'm like, yeah. oh what's gonna happen here. But um yeah. no, it's it's just nice, easy fun. It's nice for me, because I've also been watching Star Wars as well, getting through them. Yay, it's, welcome. <laughs> it's just nice to balance the madness with the madness, mm. whichever madness it is. Um but yeah. I won't, I won't say too much on Star Wars because we could be here all day, but I will just say, Finn do you and think Poe? Do you think there's on. any? But do you think there's any interest in people wanting to hear us talk about Star Wars? Because I would be up for it. In the I think year. we should do it. I just think the episode would be ten hours long. Oh no, it definitely. Yeah. Little, little it's going to be like ten hours film. just Finn and Poe. <laughs> yeah. What I will say, though, is that I, I'm just going <laughs> to... We're not going to talk about it now, but I'm going to sidetrack. I looked into the whole John Bodega thing yeah. after you told me, and I was big, fat, shocked at how much they changed the narrative and the characters. Uh, and then I was like, am I really shocked? Because this is just what Hollywood does. But yeah. um, 
yeah, I'm I'm interested, but at the same time, like when Disney announced all of these new Star Wars things that were happening, I was like already exhausted. Like, haven't even yeah. watched it yet. Like, this, yeah. What are your thoughts on this? Because it's a lot of content in a short space of time. It's far too much content. It's going to be oversaturation. Like the we talked about this with Netflix, didn't we? That there was just yes. far too much. We didn't even know where to start. Disney, except I think what they've got working in their favor is they're just expanding universes that are already really popular. So I wonder whether it's just a case of it's not like having to sucker people into like new stuff. It's just like, hey, you liked that thing that happened in that part of the universe. So come and see what's happening in this one. So I don't know. I just think about the Disney shop. And now I used to go to the Disney shop every Christmas and you know, I knew where things were. And now when mm. I go into Disney shop, it's just too big. There's just too much stuff going on. There's Marvel, oh, there's Star Wars, there's Disney princesses. Like where's the Dalmatian stuff? That's all I'm here for. That's my content. Mm. So, yeah, I agree. I think I think it's I think it is obviously capitalizing. And one thing I did think though, when I looked at it, is wow, that is so many jobs that are gonna be created. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's great. And to be honest, it's, and one of them jobs is Hayden Christensen. Good to see oh, he's God. coming back. I'm so, I'm so glad he's employed. <laughs> Literally, when I read that, I was like, oh my God, he's got a job. I felt like a mum, like, oh my God, it's like, it's finally over. So yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I think we should do a, well, listeners, tell us, do you want us to do a Star Wars episode? We'll have to do maybe like a three part or something. We'll get oh, yeah. Lauren on so they'll all be four hours long. <laughs> you know they will be. Anyway sidetracking so christmas films and women so we're going to talk about some of the tropes and repeating storylines that we see the first one is the six-year-old girl now can you tell me what films this is from i mean no the ones that jump into my head are like christmas chronicles miracle on the thingy street is it 34th or 85th i don't forget the number <laughs> I just always make the number up like 67. Like, like, is it 34th or 85th? <laughs> <laughs> it's 34th. 34th. It's good to know. But yeah, so the two of the films that we have are Miracle on 34th Street and mm-hmm. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. So they both mm-hmm. got six-year-old girls in them. And the kind of character that these girls play is kind of like a supporting role to humanise the lead male character, which obviously in Miracle Day 4th Street's case is... Santa Claus and in The Grinch is The Grinch. So Cindy Lou Who, alike to Susan Walker in Miracle, they have this kind of goal where they have to convince everyone to believe in what they believe in and the world's kind of against them which is when you think about things, a six-year-old you think that's a bit harsh, Yeah, like where are the parents? Um, <laughs> But yeah, within the Grinch, it's, you know, her plan is to basically get the Grinch to become involved in the film. So she nominates him for the holiday cheermeister. And you kind of get this this flashback going back and forth and things like that. And obviously, alike in Miracle 34th Street, uh, Susan and her mother kind of defend them in court. And so Dylan McDowell plays the, plays the stepdad. Oh, my, my, in the 90s. Hello, sir. Yep. So yeah, they kind of have this kind of end goal, but we don't actually find out anything about them as characters characters like no. about them obviously Cindy Lou Who is a little bit of an outcast and I mean she's got siblings hasn't she and she's a little bit different and she sings mm. that song <laughs> where are you Chris <laughs> how's all but mm. she does obviously she plays a larger role in the film than the original ones now the one the Benedict Cumberbatch is Cindy Lou Who in that I think so because there okay. is a girl I don't remember her name but she's got like blonde like she she looks like Cindy from the live action. Perhaps. Perhaps. So. Which is Taylor Mumpson, I think. 
She is Taylor Monson, which yeah. kind of like when Gossip Girl came out in like 2007, I was like, oh my God, it's Cindy Lou Who. I had no idea who the <laughs> other ones were. Who cared about yeah. Kim Banshee back then? So yeah, so why do you think they use this cute, cutesy little girl as a storytelling piece? Like, why do you think that seems to work for these kind of Christmas films? Yeah, I hadn't realised that like the six-year-old girl was a trope until you said it, but it reminds me a lot of like Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but like Manic yeah. Pixie Dream Child, but like, because you said <laughs> humanising or kind of bringing that optimism that doesn't usually exist within the men. Yeah, definitely. I think I so. Think, I don't know whether they're tapping into that kind of like very feminine, like, oh, whimsical and believe me, and that's why they're girls, or if it, and, and that might help sell the narrative of it being this kind of like fantastical Christmas movie a little more than otherwise, but yeah, I also think it helps kids, because kids watch that like, it's a kid like me, because that's what kids sound like. It is, it's, it's bizarre, and they, they both kind of like, neither of them are kind of like blindsided by the flashy decorations or excessive <laughs> gifts or like the capitalism elements of Christmas, and it's all very much about, you know, they feel outcast and they want to connect to that perfect Christmas that they have, and yeah. you know, this very cynical man comes along and you know they, they bend over backwards to accommodate him and I do kind of think oh that's a little bit of you know writing about what you want women to be like for difficult mm. men yeah um, one really cute thing is obviously Miracle on 34th Street is a remake and the original 1947 version uh, had Natalie Wood instead mm. and she bless her actually believed that she met the real Santa Claus because of course she was six. Oh, I love that it's so cute, whereas Mara Wilson, she was Jewish, so she didn't believe in Santa Claus anyway, so she said she could relate to her character. What a bad little bitch at six years old. I don't believe in me anyway. I'm Jewish, I'm fine. I love Mara Wilson. Love it. She's British. She's grown into a lovely young woman. Mm, yes. So, yeah, so that's our kind of first trope, that kind of young, kind of, you know, like you said, manic pixie six-year-old, we'll call yeah. it. <laughs> So let's talk about some films that feature multiple female characters. And mm. the first one is unfortunately going to be one of your least favourite Christmas films of all time. Love is actually all around. Unfortunately, Hugh Grant, oh. you are not going to make me watch this film again because I am done now, I think. So we're going to talk about a few of the characters in here. The first one being Karen. So mm. Karen is played by Emma Thompson. She's a typical stay-at-home mother. She's a wife to Harry. She kind of goes over backwards. She makes the costumes for the Christmas play. She, you know, she has mm. her brother. <laughs> I was going to say her brother's Tony Blair, right? So her brother <laughs> is Hugh Grant. <laughs> We all know he's playing Tony Blair, a romanticised mm. version of Tony Blair. And people really, really sympathise with his character. And she's kind of like a long-lasting impression of this film um, yeah. that people have. Now, obviously, it's quite dark for Christmas. Like, this is probably one of the darkest stories. And, like, even at the end of the film, when you kind of see all the people kind of meeting together in the airport, you still see these characters in the epilogue. Like, they are still not happy. How do you think this kind of blends into the story of Christmas? Because obviously Christmas for everyone is not happy. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a very, I'm sure it's not the first time that someone's discovered their partner is cheating by finding a gift that isn't for them. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I think it's exactly what you said. It's like Christmas is a fraught time for people. And as much as I don't like the movie, I think it was a good, like not every story could have been this like really happy tie a bow on it. I don't think it wouldn't have been as successful as it was now had there not been this one story that you not just feel bad for Karen, because you do feel bad for Karen, but also kind of relate on a level of like, actually, 
happy families isn't a thing for everyone. There's a really lovely moment as well when she bumps into her brother and she gives him a hug and like she holds him for too long. And like I've sensed that in people before and I've, I do that myself mm. sometimes. But like it's kind of like silently asking someone, actually, you know what? I need a little bit more support right now. And she yeah. does that. And honestly, my heart breaks. And the Joni Mitchell CD is yes. Oh, it's just heartbreaking. But it's actually hard for me to watch the funny sequences with Harry's character. You know, like when he's buying the gift for the secretary yeah. and Rowan Atkinson's like, you know, putting all the petals in. I don't laugh at that anymore because I think it's a really awful thing to be doing to your wife. Yeah, sure. Um, interesting fact, Emma Thompson mm. was made to wear a fat suit during this filming to make her look really? more... Yeah, to make her look more mum-like. Oh my God. So again, just playing into the stereotypes there, you know, it's kind of like, oh, she, you know, she'd become frumpy, she's, she's busy making lobster costumes, and he cheated on her with a secretary. I hate that. It is, it is a little bit there. But yeah, so the other kind of female characters in love, actually, I'm just going to speak about Marty McCutcheon's uh, character. So obviously she plays, <laughs> basically like Monica Lewinsky, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, ba- she basically is just Monica Lewinsky. I think she's a little bit of a manic pixie dream girl again. Like, she's very aloof. She's she's quite, you know, very charming and sweet. And then she's got that edge to her that this, you know, Tory is like, you know, she says shit, she says fuck. And it's kind of the opposites attract approach. Do you think, because I honestly think if, if Karen, and ha- Karen and Harry could probably have a film to themselves, do you yeah. think that, that, there was, that Martin McCutcheon and Hugh Grant could have a film to themselves as well? Because it's very rom-com, and obviously you're a rom-com connoisseur. It is, and I think they probably could have a film. I just don't know whether it would be my thing, given how much I don't like love, actually. But I think, <laughs> yeah, but, like, viably, they probably could. And I think it could be another festival one where everything's, like, really cute. And yeah. I always think of kind of like Elizabethtown, but Elizabethtown during Christmas, I think, is probably what they'd have. Yeah. It's very much like Prince and the Pauper with them as well, yeah. isn't it? Like, rich yes. boy meets, yeah, kind of thing. So let's talk about the holiday. Courtney is cheering wherever she's listening from right now. <laughs> so the holiday has two female characters. They're two recently single women and they swap homes for the holiday. You've got Iris, who's a London-based columnist who's still in love with her cheating and recently engaged, I think, ex-boyfriend. And then you have Amanda, who's a movie trailer producer, which I, when I watched this film, I was like, I want that job. <laughs> That's a <Same>. job. <laughs> I, I want that no job. idea. And she had such a huge house, just making money off cutting trailers. I was like, that's what I want. It was the blinds for me when you just pressed a button and the blinds went down and you can go back to bed. I loved it. I love it. So yeah, obviously she's a movie trailer producer. She, her boyfriend is also cheating on her. So it's this scorned woman mm. trope, which we're now seeing is reoccurring a little bit in Christmas mm. films. So we follow them on their journeys. And obviously Amanda meets Iris's handsome brother, Graham. And you have that kind of, you know, relationship. So Amanda has the whole Jude Law situation. But then Iris has two storylines. And it's almost as if there was meant to be three women in this film. So Iris obviously yeah. has this relationship with Jack Black and also Arthur Abbott. And he actually gives her, because obviously this is directed by Nancy Myers as well, so it's probably one of the very few Christmas films directed by a woman. But he actually gives her a list of movies with strong female leads, so Mm. she can become one. Yeah. So with the two kind of heroines that we've got there, we've got kind of, they're both kind of going for the same journey. They've both, you know, been, well, cheated on. They've both, you know, been hurt and scorned. I personally feel like, and this is not me bashing the holiday, because I... Freaking love this film, but mm. it's not so much about self-discovery. It's basically about who can I get with next? Interesting. I think it's set up. It it it's set up as a self-discovery, but I think you're right. I think eventually it just it kind of becomes that like cookie cutter. Who do I move on to? 
Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I hadn't considered that. Iris has got these two different developments going on. So she does have a little bit of self-development. And obviously Mm. she meets Jack Black, who's not a conventional love interest because of the bloody Mm. public. I'd have him in every rom-com, me. And then, yeah, Amanda... Yeah, and then Amanda's kind of got this... She doesn't really have many obstacles to go across because Graham kind of takes her as she is, really. Mm. Um, But yeah, but it's just another trope, the kind of things we're seeing in Christmas films that kind of scorn women seems to be coming up a little bit. And obviously Mm. having this really horrible, painful thing happen to you at Christmas and then having to resolve it very quickly at Christmas kind of thing. This film, though, which I found quite interesting is that it was wrote with all of the lead actors in mind. Oh, which nice. I think, yeah, it's brilliant. And like, I really love that Nancy Myers put that together, really, and put that in yeah. her mind. And the site that they actually use to swap homes, it's real. And it actually gained loads of popularity after the film was released. Because of that, England issued a warning against swapping with strangers due to increased identity fraud and murder. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I always thought that because when they like chat online, like, would you ever swap your home with someone? Yeah, yeah. It was far too easy in the film. They just, they decided in like five minutes, which I know like in cinema time is probably a couple of hours, but still that's like, you're just letting someone stay in your house. It is, it is. Okay, so next trope we're moving on to is the wife slash girlfriend slash significant other. So in a few of these Christmas films, the women are not the front of the story, which is which is fine. You know, there are films out there, you know, that's all the point about equality and representation is that there's an equal kind of divide. But yeah, they do seem to be very similar. So we've got Jingle All The Way, which is my favourite Christmas film. So Rita Wilson plays Arnold Schwarzenegger's wife. And we don't really see her in the film much. She's not a nagging character, but she's wanting more. She's disappointed. And she's the kind of glue that holds the male character together. So it's a little bit like the six-year-old girl, except it's grown up. She's the mother. She's the kind of link between what's going on. And obviously she does have this hilarious storyline with the neighbour, Ted, (laughs) who had a really, really sad ending, by the way. Do you know about this? No. Right, so Phil Hartman, who played Ted in Jingle All Mm. The Way really sad story so he went to dinner with a producer and writer christine zander and and then after he returned home they had a big argument he went to bed she went upstairs and she shot him what honestly i know oh my god i did not expect you to say that mad and oh that makes me so sad Hello, very sad, but he, he's brilliant in that film. He's brilliant mm. in that film. See, sorry, I've just got a big, big depressing turn about that. So yeah, other representations of the girlfriend in the film, It's a Wonderful Life. Again, just the girlfriend, no really big storyline going on there, just kind of supporting the male lead character. And you've kind of got it in Gremlins as well. Obviously the girlfriend mm. slash love interest. Mm-hmm. She's, she does have some great moments where she's kind of battling off the Gremlins, but she is very much just a kind of supporting character Zoe de Chanel in Elf as well don't really know much about her don't really know what her you know backstory is other than she doesn't really like Christmas Um, she sings in the shower sings in the shower and then doesn't really worry about the fact that someone else is singing in the shower and she's gorgeous as blonde I must say Mm, really lovely I mean Elf is pretty overquoted and overgift but he does deserve a place on like the list of the best Christmas films and plus when he puts Mm. them overnight Christmas decorations together I wish honestly same I'm going to deviate now and talk about a representation that is different and it's only four Mm -hmm. years old and it's from a film called Better Watch Out 
So Bear Watch Out is a mixture of Christmas and horror. And, you know, that kind of genre mix-up has been tried many times. Obviously, we had Black Christmas, which mm. I haven't included in this list because, you know, they're getting murdered. They're not going to be having a fully developed storyline. So I'm not going to throw them in the mix here. Bear Watch Out is basically this girl babysits a boy. Mm-hmm. And then throughout the story, yeah, kind of have someone stalking the house and breaking in. But then you don't know who the person breaking in is. I don't want to give anything away because I watched it and knew nothing and I absolutely bloody loved it. Okay. the difference with this is, is that she, uh, you know, it's, it's a great, it's a great representation of young men throwing a fit and they don't get what they want. Um, right. It's twisted. It will make you smile. But the lead character, she is bold. She is, you know, she's not taking any shit. She's not really a big fan of Christmas. I do see this kind of repeating a lot where you get this kind of independent woman who, oh, I hate Christmas. Mm. Oh, I can't stand this time of year. Do you find that sometimes in things? Yeah, all the time. It's like I, I feel like TV does this generally or film does this generally where anytime a woman is independent, it just means she's either difficult or disgruntled or just like pissed off at everything. I'm like, no. No. And I do feel like there are some people that in real life, <laughs> I know we don't talk about real life very often, but there's people in real life, like women in real life who be like, will choose it as a personality type. Yeah. Oh, I hate Christmas. Oh, turn yeah. the music off. I can't stand these decorations. It's like it's one time yeah. a year. If someone's doing it to you in July, go out for them, you know? Yeah, exactly. Madness. That's a madness. Let's talk about Home Alone. (laughs) (laughs) Home Alone, what is that? I've never seen it. (laughs) So Home Alone does, obviously, has given um, Kevin's mother quite a bad rep. Many people people have questioned, you know. um, But she is the mother. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, she is Moira Rose. She is Moira Rose. And people have just started discovering that, haven't they? Oh my god, yeah. It's bizarre. But yeah, she obviously she does forget about her child twice. Mm-hmm. Twice. What are your thoughts on this? Because one one thing I do really admire with, with Home Alone and the representation of their female character is that she's so determined to get home. Yeah. And it's almost like a mini adventure for her. Obviously, she mm. meets John Candy in the first film and she kind of like flies from airport to airport. She does this great speech. And I, I just think she's absolutely fantastic. But what, what are your thoughts on this? Because she does get a lot of shit online about forgetting she her does. child. She does. I always felt like she was a representation of parents who make mistakes sometimes. And I understand the mistake here is that she's forgotten her kid. Like, it's not, <laughs> like, a, it's, an exa- it's an exaggerated mistake, I think, for, because that, like, that's the whole plot of the film. Like, it had to happen. That's why it exists. But I agree with you. The way that she's so determined to get back, she goes on her own little adventure. She's so, she's just, is, tr- is not just trying to regain control of a situation that she knows she messed up in, but is also taking control of that, I think is um, really important. And unlike Karen, actually, no, not unlike Karen, because it was completely out of Karen's control that she was cheated on. But like that idea of that manic pixie sort of figure that we see in the Christmas films, I think doesn't exist with her so much because she is firstly a mum but also a woman in just just taking control that I quite like and I think it's funny like I don't think anyone I it bothers me when people watch films like Home Alone and don't understand that it's just everything is yeah I was like it's exaggerated like that's the point of the film it's not supposed to be like she's a bad mum I can't believe she did that it's not one of those films 
no it's not and like you said like she's determined to fix it like she doesn't just be like oh you know it's fine I'll just go Paris he'll be all right I mean a lot yeah. of it, obviously the logic of Home Alone is thrown in a lot but you've got to remember this film was early 90s logic went yeah. out the window I mean we had big for god's sake with Tom Hanks yeah. like where's the logic behind that and yeah. um, obviously people say things like couldn't you call a neighbor couldn't you call a friend like couldn't you call the house phone but I think I really love I really love and admire the, the kind of st- story she goes through and you know she takes mm. charge you know she doesn't tell the dad to kind of stay at home she's like no I'll do this and you go there and she's still putting all her other kids first as well as kind of searching for Kevin as well um, yeah. and I think she's freaking badass at it too and I think it would be cool to have like maybe, yeah. a, pre- maybe a prequel of like how she ended oh up God. having so many damn kids it would be so cool I think unlike a lot of mother figures in Christmas films who are always very like wholesome baking putting up decorations like like you said the way that she just takes control yeah. Um, is that other side of being a mum or being maternal that I feel like we rarely get to see in Christmas films, which is quite nice. Me too, because it's not the kind of like, oh, like, kind of dithering, like, oh gosh, are you okay? Yes. What can I get you? It's it's she does take control and does mm. take charge, and and it adds a whole element of funny. Like the scenes with her and John Candy are like some of my favourites. I love yeah. John Candy so much. Mm. Um, so I think it was it was definitely good, and she kind of gets like her own arc of the storyline. Like it flashes back and forth between like yeah. Kevin and the the guys are going to rob them, and then obviously I was going to call her Moira then. <laughs> I named them Moira. So yeah, so there's that. Okay, coming to the end. So we've got White Christmas. So this is, again, one of my favourite films. It's an American musical film. So Rosemary Clooney, who is related to George. Oh, cool. So Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen star in this film as Betty and Judy. So they are sisters. Sisters. I'm not going to sing the whole song. I'm, I, will, <laughs> I will refrain myself. Their characters is interesting because they've kind of got that kind of fun promiscuous woman versus rigid traditional yes. woman kind of thing you have Betty who is um the older sister you know she's very cautious she's like no we can't do that we have to think things through and she doesn't want to kind of take risks and jumps she's mm. very cautious of how things are and then mm. of course you have Judy who's just like let's just go for it it'll be fun let's just go you know we're young let's go do this so it's interesting to see the way they cast off against each other I mean obviously talk about this film and the storyline it's, it's hard for me because I just love the dancing it's all I watch this Same. film for it's just the Same. dancing so I, mean, I only want kids so I can you know make them reenact the dancing every Christmas every Christmas we yes. should get our kids together get some costumes and oh my God, like, yes. come on guys get drunk and yes. watch them yeah really. and be yeah. responsible parents just say <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm not going to do the home alone thing no one's getting left at home no one's getting That's left fine. at home God, you wouldn't be able to tell me what would you <laughs> no <laughs> I love that but yeah it's just and obviously this film was a lot older it's 1954 which feels mad. But obviously it just kind of goes to show again that when these characters are wrote into the show and then wrote into the films, you know, it's a lot of care taken into them. It just It mm. kind of just allows you to kind of think things through and think about the new Christmas films that we are seeing coming out recently. Obviously Happy Season, for example, came out and that is female-led. It's also a gay yeah. film too, which is very mm. exciting. Haven't seen it yet because, you know, big fat stress right now and can't work out a to-do list, but we'll get round to it. And last but not least, we couldn't talk about the Santa Claus without um, because Sophie would kill us. So the Santa Claus trilogy, in the first Santa Claus film, the wife, again, is that very rigid, stereotypical type where, you know, she's just divorced her husband. She has, yeah. you know, she doesn't, her child doesn't want to spend Christmas with his father. And she's trying to be very diplomatic and she's very stern. And in the second film, she does return. She's a lot more friendly. But we also have um, Mrs. Claus, 
pretty sure that it's Lily Vanderwoodson, isn't it, from Gossip Girl? Is I that think, it? I think so. No, getting getting confused. Sorry, it's Elizabeth Mitchell who was in um, Lost as Juliet. Oh yes, of course. Yes, yes, they do look alike, don't they? They do. They look do, alike. They do. But Sophie had an interesting thought about this because she said she's convinced that um, the mum is bisexual. Interesting. So she said it's the, it's the clothes that she wears. Do you reckon she's got like a bisexual edge to her? Which I'm like, okay, now whenever I watch the film, I'm going to think of that. <laughs> but yeah, it's Laura. She's Charlie's mum. I'm going to watch the film so differently the next time I watch it. You should. I like it. I think we should, we should create backstories for all these women yeah. who don't have backstories. I love it. Yes. But I mean, to be honest... I say that she's very stern. If your ex-husband told you that he was Santa Claus, I think I'd probably be a little bit apprehensive as well. They do this a lot because I think of Sally Field in Mrs. Doubtfire and how she's like set up to be this like really uptight career woman who doesn't know how to have fun with the kids. And I was like, no, I mean, Robin Williams' character in that film is, is <laughs> he just, like she has, she's picking up the slack for two people until he, you know, like turns himself around or whatever, but. There seems to be that idea. Turns around by dressing as a woman. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, no, that's not what I meant. Just like you know, becomes the more responsible parent. And I think that there's that thing, isn't there? And like, women have to take on the role of being this, this somewhat like responsible, no fun parent. But we never, never really pay much attention to why. They have to be that way. It's almost like they they put they put women in these films to be an anchor. And that anchor yeah. kind of like weighs the storyline down and kind of connects all the characters together. And I'm, I mean, you know, I'm not saying that every film has to have this massive backstory, but it would be nice to kind of, you know, hear a little bit more about them, mm, you know, have a little yeah. bit more obstacles in place there. Like, did we find out why they got divorced in the Santa Claus? I don't think so. I mean, I know these are Christmas films. I know you're probably watching this guy, listen to this guys and thinking, you're taking it too seriously. It's the Santa Claus. Well, it's very serious to me, okay? Yes, it's serious. That's basically it. That's our roundup of women in Christmas films. Obviously, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of Christmas films we could have gone through. So that's just a little bit of a snapshot. But do you kind of see the tropes now? Do you think more than you did beforehand? Yeah, I didn't realise how blatant some of them were, but they they seem to be quite few and far between. Like, I'd like to see us expand the way we see women in Christmas films now. I would love to see, like, the stress. (laughs) Because it's so stressful, like, the wrapping you have to do and the management of, like, right, what presents have we bought? What presents haven't arrived? What presents I need to chase up? Like, I will be honest with you, I have had to... I got scammed on Etsy this month. The Hermes lost a parcel. I thought I picked up two cushions. I picked up one. It's a very stressful time. It is stressful. And I'd, I'd love to see that. And like, it'd be great to see like a competitive side, like women going off. But like we have things like bride wars. Like, why can't we have like two women arguing over, you know, the Christmas play or the Christmas decorations outside? Mm. Or, you know, why does it have to be, why do women have to be heartbroken and scorned and treated badly and have to, you know, wait for their husbands to have some fucking epiphany before they can be decent human beings like why can't we have you know why can't we have women being the arsehole like Charlize Theron in Young Adult why can't we have like a Christmas film like that why can't we have women going home and wrecking you know I mean there are a few little films here and there I I know is it is it Little Christmas or Happy Christmas it has Anna Kendrick I think in it and that's kind of like it's like a difficult kind of woman that doesn't really like Christmas but it it wasn't very good I'm not gonna lie to you I thought Um, about Bad Mums Christmas 
Yes, well, that's what I was going to end with. So, Bad Mums Christmas. Obviously, this is a sequel to an already. I love Bad Mums. Do you love Bad Mums? Love Bad Mums. And it is kind of. It does show the stress and the strains of that. And it was. I really found it interesting that they decided to do a sequel based at Christmas time. Mm, yeah. um, and you know, Christmas films they sell because everyone's going to watch them, and every year people are going to tell you to watch them because they'll be on lists. So you know, just just a little idea there for future filmmakers. That's why our last film was a Christmas film. I'm just joking. It was just because I like when we do a Christmas film. But yeah, Bad Moms is a great example. And if we had more films like that, that were just fun, you know. Yeah, so much fun. Emma Thompson crying to Joni Mitchell. Let's have some fun. Women having fun at Christmas, you know. Women having fun at Christmas. Women having fun at Christmas. That's that's our that's our end note today. Mm. This is probably the last time you'll hear from hear from I was gonna say hear from me. That sounded really dramatic. I know, I was like, where is this going? <laughs> and now the end is near. So this is our last podcast recording session of twenty twenty. I just can't believe we're at the end of twenty twenty when it feels like March. I I want to go back and like listen to the first podcast we did for the year and just <laughs> yeah. just hear the like hint of optimism and hope in our voices. I can't wait to watch Tenet and No Time to Die. I love oh Karen Fukunaga. That's it. That's it. That's what I'm probably talking about. Oh God. Yeah. What else? What? Well, I mean, just to cut. Obviously, we we ha- you are going to listen to another podcast episode that we recorded a little while ago, which is about the end of kind of the year. But what um what were you looking forward to this year that you didn't get to see film and TV wise? No time to die. No I was really looking. For, yeah, I was really looking because I love. Everyone knows I love Harry Fukunaga and I love the James Bond films and I love Daniel Craig and I just felt like this one was going to be. Like, well, I mean, it's still going to be because it's going to come out. But I was just like really looking forward to going into the cinema and watching a Bond film, and it didn't happen. Yeah. That makes sense. What about you? I was looking forward to Wonder Woman, and I know that it's mm. come out. I, I'm very confused, and I don't really know where I can see it. Um, oh, it's already out. I thought it was. Oh, I didn't know that. I think it's. I've seen people in the timeline tweet about it but they might be very important and get getting sent to them so good for them and obviously I'm sad because I, I really loved Wonder Woman and I really yeah. think um obviously I haven't I don't have the um best of relationships with Gal Gadot um but I think that it's a big screen experience and I'd like to see it yeah. on the big screen so um, I don't know we'll see what happens but obviously a lot more cinemas have closed down recently and we'll mm. do over the next couple of weeks but yeah obviously that no time to die because I was going to watch all the Bond films we were going to do a Bond podcast episode very exciting. Yeah. Um, wasn't there a Wes Anderson film that was going to come out this year? The Great Dispatch, there was. And it didn't come out? No, I did not. Well, that's what I was looking forward to. Mm. I'm just not, not there anymore. But saying this, oh, Black Widow. Oh, of course, yeah. Do you think that's going to be like a Disney Plus now? I think so. Yeah. Because this is, this is the other thing, because they've announced all that content that will be put into a calendar and... This the whole point. Like the reason why I feel like the reason why the reason why companies do this is that because they need to fill slots and there's so many contracts and not when you're making franchises there's so many dominoes that are in place. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous. So I think that will probably end up. It's like Mulan. It will probably end up going on Disney Plus. Um, Two films that really should have had big screen debuts. But yeah, particularly yeah. you know as the, as the as the female led, which is which is really mm. annoying. Bill and Ted face the music as well. I wanted to see that the, mm. the final one to that which was which was very well it was very sad wasn't it to be honest soul as well the pixar film yeah that's coming to disney plus i think on christmas day but i really wanted to see that in the cinema it looks so good i know it looked really really good and at candy man the new one by nida costa mm. that was <gasps> the awesome. yaya abdul mateen oh stop it 
Thank you. The Many Saints of Newark as well. So this is the, it's for my Soprano fans out there, guys. This is the film that is the prequel to The Sopranos in which James Gandolfini's son, Michael, actually plays Tony Soprano. So it's cool. Yeah, it was meant to come out in September, but it's been pushed to March, I think. So it'll probably be pushed again. Um, oh, God. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's loads. There was um, A Quiet Place 2 that was meant to come out. That got oh, pushed. yeah. That was one of the first ones where they pushed it, didn't they? Pushed it, it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they did. Jurassic Park. Oh, oh no, that wasn't coming out till next year. I'm just, I'm just, just getting ahead of myself now. But um, Dune, obviously, they've said this is now going to be a streaming film, which people are not happy about. No, I'm not happy about it. I don't... I really wanted to watch this one, because I've... Have you read the book? I haven't read the book, but I know that the original film is really long, and I was yeah, like... Yeah, no. The book is, like, the longest... Yeah, it took me, like, six months to read the book, not because I didn't like it, but just because it was too long. Again, this is the thing. Why, why can't they just wait? Why can't they yeah. just put everything back a year? Is it really going to make a massive difference? Exactly. Because I do feel like this year, like a lot has gone on streaming, and obviously, like Netflix and Prime and um, all the other ones, you know, they've they've come out with new content. But mm. I don't think I've seen it all. No, I'm definitely not seen it all. No, I've so. not seen Mank, and it came out, and everyone, I was like really excited to see Mank, and then the minute it went on Netflix, I was like, mm. yeah, no, <laughs> I don't care. The films like that when they came out, I was like, oh yay, and then it happened. And you're like, mm, yeah. I think yeah. with the cinema because you you do make a. And, you know, I've, it's been a struggle this year because there's been a lot of film lovers, makers, festival directors that are like, everything should only be in the screen. Like, it's the only way to enjoy a film, which I don't believe in. I don't think it's the mm. only way to enjoy a film. I do think that it's a good, great experience. You know, there's probably nothing else like it, but to be more accessible in this, in this climate as well. Yeah. People have lost jobs. People could not afford to go to the cinema. I saw yesterday that someone said they've had, they've had to cancel every single streaming service they have because they have no income. So, mm. you know, if, if you want to pay £10 a month and watch a load of films, good for you. If you have the money to go to the cinema every week and watch all the new releases, also good yeah. for you. But be understanding, you know, be understanding that it's not ideal, but unfortunately, it's, it's just, just the way it is. Mm. Just the way it is. Just the way it is. That's just the way it is. <laughs> On that note, I think we'll end the show. Thank you everyone for listening to our little show this year. Our listeners grew so much. I think it was like 750% or something like that. Something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for listening to us. Uh, you know, we always said our show is, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're not, you know, highly produced and marketed, but we have fun, don't we? Do we have fun? We have, we have so fun. much we have fun. fun, right? We have, we have so fun. much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I will see you next. Well, we'll see you next week. So we'll have another episode coming up, but we will see you next year. Bye, guys. Bye.